Welcome to Gardening Talk back for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back. W- welcome. Welcome, because I missed you last week. Yes. Well, not missed you in a Well, in I, a sad I, sense, I missed but... you, uh, Broheim. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, sad the feeling is not mutual. <laughs> oh, but it's, it's all working out today. It is. Scott, what do you got planned for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about uh, Phalaenopsis orchids because they're starting to finish off flowering, and a lot of people have got those in their house now. Uh, a quick chat about the Lilipilly beetle, which is really having a crack at the moment. And what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is Halloween. Aha, so we might talk about some spooky plants then. Oh, I hope you don't do it in the rat voice for the rest of it. <laughs> I've, got, I've got other voices I can do. Oh, good. I'd love to hear them throughout the rest of the show. <laughs> and of course, if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. But Scott, you've got a couple of spooky plants for us? Yes, we, we can talk about spooky plants straight away if you'd like to. Just, oh, give me a teaser. Okay, gallish Greg, let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about deadly nightshade. It was apparently the uh, the devil's favourite plant. Oh, right. Yes. It's good to see he's got a favourite plant. Well, I didn't know how he'd actually get plants to grow down there with all that fire and brimstone sort of around. I'm sure he's got a pretty good green room. I'm sure he has, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the, apparently also witches and sorcerers would use the plant's juices in many of their ointments and brews. Right. Yes. So that's uh, deadly nightshade, and it is actually quite dangerous. Uh, it's not; it doesn't have those sort of historical and uh, you know devilish connotations. It actually is, uh, you it know, is quite. Re- yeah, it, it actually is quite, is quite poisonous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, don't go eating it or rubbing it on yourself. And the uh, the next plant I wanted to have a quick chat about was wolfsbane. I just love the name of it. I've heard of that wolfsbane. Yes. It sounds familiar. Well, apparently it was in the Harry Potter movies. I haven't quite uh, got down to sit and watch those yet. Oh, okay. I haven't seen. No, no. Harry but Potter it, and the Missing Tree or something, whatever it's called. Yeah, or... so apparently wolfsbane prevents a person from turning into a werewolf during a full moon. That's and it, handy. Yes, and it can also be used to keep werewolves away. So. Oh, so it's a bit of a two for one. Yeah, so I'll be getting something tomorrow night. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Well, fingers crossed there's no full moon. I hope not. Well, we should check out the uh, the lunar calendar and see what's going to happen because we're in trouble if it is. Exactly right. So we've got Caroline from Warrabrook, and she's got a question about a weed in a garden. Hey, Caroline, how can we help you? Hello, Scott. Um, onion weed. How do we get rid of onion weed? So where, where's the onion weed? In the garden or in the lawn, uh, Caroline? In, in the lawn, but it pops up in the garden as well. And someone told me uh, never to pull it up, which they told me that too late because that's what I did and apparently it multiplies it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, look, it does multiply really, really easily if you just go and pull it up because there's the main bulb and then it's got all these yeah. little bulblets lurking around yeah. it that are you know, just sort of coming off. And if you yeah. go and try and pull it out, those, those little bulblets just sort of slough off and stay in the mm. ground. So you might... Mm. You know, if you're lucky, you might get the main bulb out. But what you've done is you've actually spread probably about another, you know, 23 or 24 I know, them, yeah, I know. around the ground. Um, so that's why I'm ringing. <laughs> yeah, so look, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, we uh, had, had a fellow last week who called up and said, uh, you know, you, if you get a, a paintbrush, you can actually just get a little bit of, uh, I think he said kerosene or terps. Terps it might have been, and you can just paint that on there, and it will oh. go down into the bulb and kill it off. Uh, look, mm. I, I also uh, said you could just get uh, glyphosate with a paintbrush as well and just paint it onto those leaves. Uh, if, you're, right. if you're very, very mm. clever and you've got a good aim, you know, if you like Clint Eastwood, uh, yeah. You can actually use your spray and just get a very small amount on each, uh, you know, on each little onion weed. Because mm. the only place you can't really spray glyphosate around is uh, around roses. So if there's roses Uh-oh. around, you have to be very, very careful and not use glyphosate. 
Uh-uh. Okay. And now the <laughs> onion weed in the lawn, uh, that's something you really can't get rid of. Uh, the only yeah. way I suggest to get rid of it is just by mowing as normal. In summer, you just tend not to notice it because the grass grows just as quick mm. as the onion weed does. However, mm. in winter and uh, now, because it's been very dry and the, the grass hasn't been growing, the onion weed's just popping up and you're just noticing yeah. a little bit. So just go out and mow your lawn mm. and that'll, that'll get rid of it. You really just can't get rid of it out of the lawn. You'd have to accept it there. Yeah, well, I have um, put the um, glyphosate on it uh, in the garden, mm -hmm. but I do grow roses. Yes. But um, I'm pretty—I've got a pretty good aim with my little sprayer. So um, yeah, I'll just have to be mindful of that. Uh, yes, you just have to be very, very careful about where you're aiming and uh, certainly not around the roses. It mutates them and uh, it, uh, it, the roses just won't come back from that. Uh, okay. So you just have, All right. And you just have to be persistent, Carolyn. You just have to keep yeah. on going and going with it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Many thanks. Have a nice Bye. afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Carolyn. We've got Tom from Aberglaston. He's got a question about crepe myrtle. Is yes, it? crepe myrtle and uh, dahlias. How can we help you there, Tom? Good afternoon, Greg and Scott. Um, I grow dahlias. I've uh, been introduced to them a few years ago. One year they didn't flower, and somebody told me I had to leave them in the ground, which I have done. Uh, but is it too late to lift them now? Uh, no, no, you can still lift them now. Obviously, you, just, you still know where they are. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, look, that's not a problem. If you know where they are, there's no problem at all in lifting them at this time. Right, and crepe myrtle, mm -hmm. coming from a main tree, I've got some runners that have shot up. Can I, will they flower? Can I replant them? Is it too late to replant them, like somewhere else? Or? They've, they've probably suckered off the root system, so it might be... Is that what you think's happened, or are they a seed that's... Uh, a seed no, that's I'm pretty up? sure they're sucker off a, off a runner, off a root. Uh, look, you, you can try uh, and, and transplant those, you know, cut them off uh, nice and neatly, and uh, then try and transplant them in a pot and see if they keep on growing for you. Um, but otherwise, if you just generally want to get rid of, you know, running, uh, you know, rabinias or crepe myrtles or anything, you can just get a little bit of uh, glyphosate and dab that on those uh, suckers coming up and that should go back and kill them as well. And we've got Robin from Wanji and she's got a question about hibiscus. Hey, Robin, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. Um, I've got a biscuit, uh, hibiscus. It's called, <laughs> called Baramba Creek. Yes. And that's growing really lovely. And I've got to keep cutting the top off, otherwise it's probably grow really tall. Can you grow anything from those cuttings? Can I grow another plant from those cuttings? Yes, absolutely. If you're really clever, you can certainly do that. What if I'm not clever? Uh, well, look, I, I think hibiscus is probably an easy plant to actually take a, you know, strike a cutting from. Uh, you know, they're very, very hardy plants. Uh, so what you really need, you need a uh, propagation mix. It's a nice, well-drained mix, and you just get them in small bags. You don't need, you know, huge, big bags of it. And the other thing you need is some uh, rooting uh, hormone, and that's just like a powder that you uh, dip the end of the hibiscus into where, and then you stick it into the uh, propagation mix. People have also said you can use honey as well. All right, okay. So that might... bees, so we've got honey. Okay, so that might be worth mm. giving that a go. Um, you know, maybe get some of the old rooting powder and, uh, you know, do some with the honey and uh, some with the, uh, the uh, powder. Oh, all right, okay. And then just water them as normal uh, because what happens is that uh, propagation mix drains very easily so they don't sit in soggy conditions. And oh, okay. So the hibiscus yep. should just shoot for you. Uh, the other thing, look, I guess the thing you could do is get, you know, just a few small pots so that, uh, you know, the ones that do shoot, then you can easily, after a few months, get them out without, you know, if you put them all in a big tray together and they shoot, then you start disturbing roots of those uh -huh. ones. So, yeah, get a few small pots and do it that way. All right. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay.
Right. Bye. Okay. Have a good afternoon, Robin. Bye. 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 Thanks, Robin. We've got Brian from Belbert, and he needs advice about his winter grass. Hey, Brian, it's uh, looking a bit late for winter grass, but how can we help you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that, mate. It's just a, I, I've been asking that many people how you get rid of this bloody thing, and someone said that you, you spray it, but you can't spray it until April or something. Yes, that, that's correct. So uh, winter grass is, is a funny thing. Uh, you actually spray early in April, and it, the, most of the sprays you get actually work as a, as a pre-emergent. So they sort of settle uh, on the soil and on the grass, and when and it actually goes in and stops, uh, you know, the winter grass from actually coming out. So yeah, you can have a beautiful lawn, and then all of a sudden oh. you see all this little white seed stuff. Yeah, and, and that's the trouble. You've, I mean, you've hit the nail right on the head there. People don't uh, usually notice it until those little, you know, green tufts are there and all of yeah. a sudden the seed heads are up. And by then, of course, it's, it's far too late. Uh, yeah. You know, the seeds are going to spread to, you know, the four winds of the earth. And as well as that, the, uh, the winter grass is sort of choking out and, uh, you know, shading any of your normal lawn in, yeah. in underneath there during winter. And then winter. when it, as it dies, I'll do it, gives it that, um, like, rusty tinge. Yes, and yes. the spots and everything where it's been. So. Yes, and, and then you'll find out uh, you'll have usually holes as well in your lawn where it's been, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So wh- how, how do you... Um what, what do you use to actually get rid of that when I do spray? Yeah, so it's called winter grass killer. We like to keep it nice and simple. In oh, the, that is in a the, simple yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, it used to be called endothal, and that just seems a little bit too complex, so yeah. we just call it winter grass killer now. Uh, look, most garden centres have got it. Uh, look, mate, it is a bit expensive because uh, I think the chemical manufacturers, they only get to use it uh, once a year. You know, they yeah. only have to manufacture it once a year, so they, they do charge through the nose a little bit for it, and, you know, rightly so. I guess it's almost a bespoke oh, I've thing. got to get it because my... My lawn's more important to my wife than what I am. I think alive. Oh, so. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, oh, it's just it's bad when you look at it. That's all. It's just a, it's an annoying thing. Now, yeah. the other thing was zucchinis. We we get we've got beautiful zucchini plants. We get them to the stage of the fruit on, and then maybe the you know the fruit will get to about an inch, mm-hmm. and then just rots off. Yeah, so uh, zucchinis uh, can get a, a type of blossom end rot. And what you actually need to do is, when they've started flowering, you actually spray them with a fungicide. Uh, you can use copper oxychloride or Mancozet Plus. So have, you, have you got any fungicides at home, mate? Um, well, I, I went down the other day because I heard you last week saying about to do the black spot on the roses mm-hmm. and that with the Magnazeb and the yep. um, oxychloride. Yeah, copper, yeah. yeah. Copper chloride. So, so that can be used on... Um, the other ones as well. Yeah, on, on the zucchinis most definitely. So you do it when it's started to, you know, when it's flowering and you keep on using it. Uh, and what it's doing is it's, it's protecting any fungus getting inside that flower and then down through the stem into the plant, uh, yeah. into the into the fruit uh, once it starts to form on the plant. Yeah, we thought we might have been overwatering or something, but um, it just, as I said, they get about an inch long and then just go all yellowy and squashy and... Yeah, well, look, overwatering is not necessarily the problem. Uh, you know, fungal yeah. diseases and spores are in the soil, and so when you're watering, it does sort of splash them around. But unfortunately, that one has, you know, it's, it's actually formed much earlier when the flower has been on the plant. And it's actually quite common with a lot of plants. Uh, mangoes get it as well. They get an anthracnose, which comes down through the blossom. Uh, yeah, so look, it's not an uncommon uh, problem. So with, with that magnezeb, yes? you, can, you could use that. Um, I, I think I was reading it, and you can use it on your lettuce and things like that too, can't you, for the... 
Yeah, look, it's quite safe to use on anything. It's not, uh, you know, something that gets absorbed it's into the plant. It's a good fungicide. Yeah, it's just a good general fungicide. Lettuce, uh, I'm not really sure exactly what you'd use it on for that. Uh, yeah. You know, the funguses in, in lettuce aren't... Oh, they, you know, they had a heap of names and vegetable names yeah. and everything um, down the back of it. It's uh, On the roses, I, I, I used to use that, um, I think it was Success. Mm-hmm. Yes. For yeah. the, um, the black spot and everything, so... Um, so you just suggest change to the magnet, and I could use that for the other thing as well. Yeah, so, so on the list on the back of the packets, there are all the things that the uh, the chemicals registered to use it on, uh, and you can use it on roses as well. Uh, the thing I always say with black spot is it's very helpful to alternate, uh, you know, the chemicals you're using because yeah. the, the fungus gets, you know, it gets used to, uh, you know, whatever you're trying to kill it yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, so you can use trifurene one week. If you've got success, you can give that a crack. I think that might be a, an insecticide as well, all mixed in yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. does the thrips and and all those other things that um, like the little bugs and and that they get on it. Yeah, so that, that an aphid, so that can be quite a good cure at all. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, if you're just using the fungicide, you're not going to be getting rid of uh, you know any little insects that are but, on there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look, pyrethrum is just another good you know gentle, safe insecticide to yeah. uh, to use around the garden. It gets rid of aphids and thrips and things. So. So, yeah, is look, that uh, any good for the um, black spot as well, the pyrethrum? No, pyrethrum's only an insecticide. So no, when you, when you don't have it in here. Yeah, so you really need to have some sort of insecticide in your, you know, your cupboard and you need some sort of uh, uh, fungicide in your, cob- in, in your cupboard. Yeah, And yep. it sounds like you've got both of those now. Yeah. Okay, mate, look, thanks very much for your help. It's appreciated. Okay. Good on you, Brian. Good luck with okay, the grass and uh, good luck with the wife as well. Yep. Oh, mate, <laughs> she's okay. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> we, we worry when we hear stories like that. <laughs> oh, no, that's just a joke. God, I'm, I'm walking out of the bedroom now, <laughs> <laughs> I might get one. <laughs> okay, mate. See you okay. later. Cheers. Bye-bye. And we've got Luke from Kurumbong, and he's got a question about a weeping cherry. Hey, yeah. Luke. How can Hello. we help you I'm, with it? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, mate, uh, look, I've got two weeping cherries, uh, both planted at the same time, same soil, raised garden beds. Uh, one's done really well, and the other one is um, the weeping part, if you like, is, is uh, since it's died but yet the trunk's still alive and it's starting to strike from, right. from the trunk. Yeah, okay. Look, that, that doesn't sound good, unfortunately, Luke, because they're, they're a grafted plant. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like above the graft has actually died and it's just shooting from the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the grafted area that's down below there uh, on the trunk. So, uh, look, the only thing you can really do, just make sure that there's the, any of those things that are coming off the trunk, try and wipe them off, just get rid of those, cut them off. Uh, grab a pair of secateurs and uh, jump up on the top section and just start on the you know the lowest part and just start snipping up and see if it's still green up in there. Okay. Yeah, and look, uh, unfortunately, if it's not, if it's sort of crispy and brown, then it's probably time to uh, start again with it, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, and I know they're not cheap either, so that's not, uh, uh, not. not good news for you. Uh, look, all deciduous plants like that, uh, once they've been planted, uh, you know, they've been disturbed, you know, they've been dug out of the ground, so their root system's disturbed and... They really require a lot of water, even though they haven't necessarily got leaves on them, and especially how dry it's been, uh, yeah. you know, here in Newcastle for the past few months uh, when they've been coming yeah. out of dormancy. So, yeah, water's really important for them at that time. Yeah, well, they've got, they both get the same amount of water because they've got them on a timer and a sprinkler system and whatnot. And okay. like I said, there's two separate garden beds, but yeah, the same water supply, and one's done really well, flower for the first time, like at great guns, and yeah. the other one's just, um, yeah, just. They've eventuated. Yeah, so how long have they been in? Are they just this season or have they been in a couple uh, of seasons? Years now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and did it do all right the first season? or? No, no, they really struggled. I thought I'd lost them there a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but I just 
um, assisted with it and, you know, didn't put any other plants in the in the garden mm-hmm. bed with them until they were sort of starting to look like they're okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, but, yeah, just really weird why one would go really well and the other one just, yeah. And, and look, we, we used to notice that at work as well. We'd get, uh, you know, quite a number of deciduous trees. So you might get, you know, 10 of, you know, let's say 10 of the weeping cherries in. And there'd be a great variation between those 10 plants as to when they started to shoot and if they were to flower. Uh, you know, some of them you could wait two months, you know, part, you know, for them to actually start to shoot from when the first one shot. And yeah. they, they were all getting similar care. You know, they're all in pots. So, you know, they're all getting watered at the same time, uh, you know, virtually all next to each other. So there wasn't anything to do with the, the situation that the plants are in. And sometimes, unfortunately, it just comes down to nature like that. And you just have to, um, you just have to accept it. Um, so, look, I'd just try that. Uh, keep on watering it. Make sure... Uh, you know that there's nothing coming out of the stem of the plant. Uh, that's that's always a bad sign, unfortunately, uh, because yeah. it's just the plant trying to live the best way it can. But equally, yeah. you don't want the energy going to that. You want it to be going up to that top section. So if there is still some life in that top section, uh, you know you have to make sure that there's no shoots coming off that uh, that vertical branch, that vertical right. trunk. Yeah. So if there is any type of green dye, should I um, uh, cut it back or just leave it? Or no, look, just leave it. Uh, no fertilizer, just water. Yeah, okay. because if a, if a plant's stressed like that, you know, adding fertilizer into the mix is just going to, um, you know, make it even more upset. Yeah, yep. no, no worries. All right, I'll stop for there. Thank you, Doug. Good luck with it, Thanks Luke. Thanks very much. Okay, cheers. Okay, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 at FM. We've got Dawn from Adamstown, and she's got a question about planting bean seeds. Hello, Dawn. Jack had it all right. He managed to get his bean stalk up to the sky. What are you doing wrong? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I'm, I've been trying to grow the beans. Um, every time I put the seeds in, yeah. some of them emerge, and then they get they get eaten off. Yes. And so I put some more seeds in, and I covered them over with because I thought it was birds to start off with. So I covered them over with um, some mesh. Yes. And when I looked again under the mesh, the bean seeds had been sort of brought to the surface and they're eaten in the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a lot of these little slate grey uh, millipede-looking tiny little things that when you touch them, they roll up in a little ball. Oh, are they cute? Oh, are they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Would it be them that's eating them? Uh, look, I... I, I... They, they they could be. Uh, how deep you've been planting the, the bean seeds, it'd be unusual for them to sort of burrow down and then, you know, bring something back up to the surface. Only about, oh, an inch. An inch, yeah. Look, it'd still be unusual, I guess, for the for the slater to do that. Uh, look, you, you can There's just... There's a lot of them in it, in the garden. Oh, OK. Well, look, then having a little bit of a cull of them is probably not going to hurt. So you can just use a snail and, and slater... Uh, you know, pellet and, and put that around uh-huh. the area and that, that will get rid of them for you as well. Oh, yeah, look, yeah. otherwise, unfortunately, uh, you know, it can be, you know, larger animals that are actually coming in and doing it. You know, you might have, uh, you know, you know, your odd bush rat or something like that uh, coming around and yeah, well, having well, a bit of a dip. My, the, garden, the vegetable garden is waist high, it's up in like a, a middle oh, around okay. it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, but look, that, that's, that's not going to stop, um, you know, unfortunately some sort of rodent or something getting in there and sniffing it out and having a bit of a dig around. But look, as your first port of call, I'd definitely use the snail and, and uh, uh, slater 
uh, pellets. You know, you can mm. use basalt. That seems to be a pretty good one. That's a little blue pellet. Oh, yes, yes. But, yes, uh, I've got that one. Yeah, mm. and just be careful. I suppose if it's in a raised garden bed, uh, not such a problem uh, with blue tongue lizards. Uh, but if you're just using it in your normal no, garden I, bed... I couldn't get up to it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's a good area to use it in. Otherwise, if you uh, have got uh, blue tongue lizards around, uh, you just have to be careful and make like a little, uh, you know, hut, yes, hutch no, or something. Yeah, I haven't yeah. done any for a while, actually. Yeah, because they, they love getting in and eating snails and things. So, uh, and they're, yes, I mean, they're I a, yeah, a great yeah, natural deterrent yeah. around the house. I wish I had a couple around my place. <laughs> yes, okay. But it's it, not bird because I put the mesh over it. Yeah, they're still eating. I've got to the surface and, and the um, beans were eaten in the middle. Yeah, so look, if those slaters so. are there, I'd, I'd try and uh, you know just reduce their numbers a little bit. Yes, okay. Okay. I'll try that. <laughs> okay, thanks. Good on, thanks, John. Scott. Have a nice Bye. afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, Dawn. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NUR FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Barry from Thornton, and he's got a question about the passion fruit vine. Excellent. How can we help you, Barry? Yeah, hi. Um, I just want to find out about my passion fruit vine. Yeah, what's going on with it? Uh, yeah, not much. Um, I've got I've got probably six bits of fruit on it. Yeah. Um, but the leaves are going yellow. Uh, okay, now, how much are you watering it? Because it's still pretty dry out there. I'm watering it, eh? Yep, okay. So, yeah, passion fruit, uh, they are a subtropical climate, so make sure you're watering it. Uh, yellowing leaves, uh, sometimes they can get a little mite on them, and that you'll see the leaves starting to I don't know, pucker or curl up a little bit, and uh, funny, like, little bumps in there, and that will then cause the leaf to yellow off. Unfortunately, you have to spray for that. Uh, to get rid of mites, there's a product called Eco Oil that you can use. It's a nice, safe uh, product to uh, spray around. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it just actually provides a sort of a coating, a protective coating, and smothers any mites that are on the plant. But you have to make sure you're trying to mist it up in underneath the leaves as well. Uh, Is that any good? Sorry, say again, please. Is it pyrethrum? Yeah, a- yeah, look, pyrethrum's a, a natural insecticide. Usually doesn't have much an effect on mites, unfortunately. Uh, for that, you do need to use the eco oil. Uh, but look, using pyrethrum generally, uh, it's not a bad thing. Uh, look, always be careful uh, if there's bees around, mate, because, uh, you know, the bees are going to be the things that pollinate and get the flowers on the plant for you. Uh, so look, just uh, again, I'd just make sure it's been really well watered, dry out there, and uh, grab some of that eco oil. It's a miticide, and uh, start using that and see how you go. And also, if you want to uh, give the plant a light fertilise, uh, you know, a little bit of cow manure certainly is going to help a passion fruit plant. And we've got Gary from Karin. Scott, he's got a question about onion and white rot. Hey, Gary, how can we help you? How are you going, Scott? No, yeah. just about my onions. They've got the white rot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that, look, that, that's not good. That's a really difficult one to, uh, to get rid of, and it really, you know, destroys your onions. And uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, very difficult to get rid of. Uh, look... The only thing to do that, it's a, it's a bit like, uh, you know, nematodes. I, I think you need to sort of leave the ground fallow there for a while. Yeah. So if you can actually change the area that you're growing the onion in, that's, that's a way to try and get rid of it, unfortunately. Yeah, I just got, I got a couple of mates. They've got the same ones too. You know, it's happened with them too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I... My mate told me to use a garlic emulsion or something. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing I was going to get to as well, that you can try and use, uh, you know, a, a garlic. I, I guess it's pretty easy to make up. You can just mix it up in the blender and water and then just water it, uh, water it through the area. 
Yeah. Uh, look, that uh, it, it just uh, you know sort of stops the the uh, the disease from growing in the in the area. But again, I think you know that crop rotation is very important for you. Yeah, it just there's no roots or nothing on it. There. Yeah, I know it, it's really debilitating, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, give that garlic uh, thing a try. I just mix up a whole lot of you know, garlic in the blender and get some water in there and try and turn it into a, you know a sort of a nice uh, you know paste you can get through and you know water in with the watering can and go with that. Yeah, right on, mate. Yep. Okay. Sorry, there's right, no sorry, there's that. no easy cure for it. Right on, mate. Thanks okay, for that. Okay. Cheers. Good on you, Gary. Bye. Now, Scott, you mentioned at the top of the show, Phalaenopsis orchid. Yes, I'm Fal- pretty proud of myself for saying that. I know we've been practicing now for the past uh, what, thirty five yeah, minutes, just <laughs> getting ready to say this. So, Phalaenopsis orchids, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty common now. I mean, even the supermarkets are selling them. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and I sort of saw this happening. I uh, happened to go to America back in uh, 2011. Yep. And I was in uh, New York City. I was like Frank Sinatra. Yep. And, okay. there, and I was in, <laughs> yes. a, in a, just a normal like uh, Tesco's or Coles or whatever they call them over there. I can't remember. And uh, yeah, they had Phalaenopsis orchids there quite cheap. And obviously they're being imported from overseas. And I think that's started to, uh, to happen here in Australia as well. Uh, but the, look, they are a very easy plant to look after. Um, very good, just as a you know, a, a, almost a disposable plant as well, if you want to. Uh, oh, okay. Easy to throw out. Easy to throw out. They don't take up too much uh, room in the old whiz bin. But uh, the great thing about them is you don't have to do that. You can actually look after them quite easily. I've got yep. one that uh, well, I've actually got two now that I've had for, I reckon, close to six years. Oh, okay. That's yeah, quite good. It is quite good, and I'm no expert uh, at them. The only reason I thought about them is because. <laughs> I decided to uh, give them a water today, and I probably haven't watered them in about three weeks. Yeah, so, okay. So yeah, that's quite a long time. Uh, I think the most important thing with the fallies is that they are in a nice, well-drained mix. They like you know, just a pine bark. Uh, so go get a, a proper orca mix if you've got one. Uh, I usually, uh, you know, if you buy one from the shop, probably transplant it up into a, a better pot. You see them in that sort of mossy stuff as well, and that doesn't always uh, do very well for them. So eventually they do need to be potted up into a, a potting mix. Uh, and choose a, a really nice spot. I've got them on my back, uh, my dining room table, I guess. Uh, it gets filtered light during the summer, and then in winter, the deciduous trees in the backyard drop their leaves, and it gets plenty of uh, sunlight in there. Now, Phalaenopsis are funny things. They actually start flowering and sending up their uh, flower spikes in autumn. Uh, sorry, in, uh, yeah, in autumn, just as it's starting to chill off. And uh, then as they come towards the end of winter, that's when they actually start to flower, ready for spring and summer. And at about this time now, the flowers are starting to get a little bit tired. So you wait for them to drop all the way off. And then you've got this funny spike that's still sitting up there. But what okay. you can do is cut it. They've got these nodes on there. And you can actually count back a couple of nodes and then just give it a snip above the node and you'll get a new flower coming back out of that again next year. Very, very simple to look after. It almost sounds too easy. It, it can be. I don't fertilise mine at all. All I really do is water them. That's all. Oh. Yeah. And, and, ver- and infre- very rarely, yeah, by the sounds of it. Frequently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, I get a great show from them. Oh, excellent. So a good plant for everyone to buy. A very good plant for people to buy. Uh, yeah, look, if you've finished flowering, you don't want to look after them. They're almost cheap enough now that you can, uh, you know, just toss them away like a bunch of flowers. But if you don't want to, you can uh, have them inside or you can keep them outside in a sheltered spot as well. Oh, excellent. Yeah, overall, almost a plan for you, mate. <laughs> it's sounding that way. Overall, a top-shelf plant. Yes, absolutely. Now, Scott, also what we mentioned at the top of the hour, but it is Halloween tomorrow. Ooh. Yes. That's just sent chills up my spine. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you, Gal- Galish the, Greg. For the wrong, wrong reasons. Yes, well, they, I am spine-chilling Scott here this afternoon. Okay. I would have gone with Spooky Scott. Or... Sp- okay, okay. 
I just so, wanted to be a little bit more sinister. sinister. I can just be sinister, Scott, if you like. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you think about me anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, some uh, some spine-chilling special Halloween plants. What about the the bat plant? The bat plant. Oh, yes, the bats always come out. Is it black? Yes, it is. It is black. It's uh, called uh, Taka Shantieri. It's a sort of a type of orchid. They're a really nice plant. They have big leaves and this flower that comes out, and it does look like a bat. All right. It's got wings. It's got bat whiskers. Uh, if you go near it, it'll sort of go for your throat and start to suck your blood. And in the day, it turns into Bruce Wayne. It does do that as well. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Master Bruce. <laughs> uh, the other one I want to talk about, of course, was the corpse flower. Oh. Yes. That doesn't sound good at all. No, the corpse flower smells quite bad, and people love it. They get these massive flowers. It's actually called called Amorphophallus titanum, and it gets this massive sort of uh, uh, flower that uh, pokes up on it, and the smell that comes from it is absolutely disgusting. And a couple of years ago, there was people actually... People like that. Well, it's, it's unusual. There's a mass flowering of them across the world a couple of years ago, and I'm, I'm pretty sure down in the Botanic Gardens, they've got some in Sydney. Uh, look, apparently, I've never actually smelt one, but apparently it smells like rotting fish, B.O., sweaty socks, <clears throat> poo, and oh. flowers all mixed in as one. So that sounds really, really oh, disgusting. Delightful, yeah. and everyone enjoying their lunch right now will be yeah. loving everything. Yes. <laughs> and what about Japanese blood grass? Japanese blood grass? Gra- yes, it does. It's uh, just uh, almost, oh, probably only gets to about 30 centimetres high or so, but these bright red tips as if you've just sort of dragged a freshly bleeding corpse across your lawn, mate. That's that exactly awful. It does, but it's, oh, it, it does look actually quite spectacular. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming it would. It, it does. Well, and look, there's also, if you're a fly yep. and it's Halloween, there's bad things that can happen to you as well if there's a Venus flytrap around. Oh, yes. Yes, because they'll just get the fly and suck it dry. I used to be scared of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to think they'd actually attack me. Well, there, there is a bit of a thing about the old Venus flytrap. You can only, they only have about three or four goes at closing, so they're yep. not forever. So often kids get them and they stick their little maws in there. And also the oils on our skin sort of wreck up the, the plant as well, so they're oh, not okay. as happy. So, yeah, three or four goes, and then unfortunately that leaf uh, will die. But they are truly an amazing plant. I mean, how can you have a leaf that just does that, uh, you know, from touch? It's almost like a something from a spooky Halloween movie. It is. Yes. I was gonna, isn't there one in Barbershop of Horrors? Is it one that sort of, well, it almost reminds you of Day of the Triffids, doesn't it? When oh, the, yeah. Yeah, when the plant is mutated, it becomes so horrible. Very horrible. Very, very horrible. 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 There's also coxcomb as well. That's a type of celosia. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, the flower on that looks like a weird brain. It does. It doesn't look quite right at all. No, it doesn't look very good as well. So um, if you're a zombie and you had uh, coxcomb in your garden... You'd be fooled. You'd be fooled. <laughs> well, the zombies would be fooled. We'd be going, oh, what's this? I was going to say, you'd be when fooled. You'd just be eating them all the time and everything would be, f- be great for you. Well, I'm going to have to cut you off, Scott, because we're out of time. Cut me off. Oh, uh, we're getting Halloween theme now. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Enjoy your Halloween. I will. And I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.